You're listening to Queer Travel Chat by Two Bad Tourists. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Queer Travel Chat. I am Austin, one of your hosts, and joined with me every week is David. Hello. And just in case you are new to our podcast, uh, we are Two Bad Tourists. We started a blog in 2012 um, when we left uh, our home base in the U.S. at the time. We spent uh, about a year traveling to 35 countries on a around-the-world trip, and that's how we got started, and we've been doing it ever since uh, for going on 10 years now. So that's us. That's a little bit about Too Bad Tourists, but I'll turn it over to David to tell you a little bit about our episode today. Yeah, so today we're going to talk with Loanne Halden. She is the Vice President of Communications for the International LGBTQ Plus Travel Association, where Austin also happens to work as the marketing manager. So we're going to talk to her about uh, travel to countries that are unwelcoming to the LGBT community, and we're going to talk about travel boycotts as well, and a little bit about her travel background. So we're excited. Uh, this is a really interesting topic. Um, first, a quick fact that I googled, as I sometimes do before our shows. Uh, Austin, did you know that roughly 71 countries around the world have, um, are they criminalize same-sex sexual activity? I did know that, but maybe not all of our <laughs> listeners know that. Uh, know that. But I, but I, I work in this field. <laughs> I, so I, I googled that from the human, uh, humandignitytrust.org. Um, but I think you mentioned something on on your company website has a, a figure about more or less the same. Yeah, around seventy. It's it's always kind of changing. Depending it's a on large the, number, a yeah. concerning number. So we're going to talk about whether or not we should be traveling to these countries. Yeah, exactly. But before we get started, uh, I just want to share um, one quick uh, point. Um, on this week's episode. So if you want to support the work that we do on our blog, our newsletter, or our podcast, we just joined a platform called Buy Me A Coffee, uh, which is a platform for creators. It essentially just uh, lets our listeners and subscribers uh, support us and contribute um, financially, really just by buying a coffee, or in our case, uh, you can buy us a glass of wine for five bucks. Um, so if you want to do that, you want to support uh, the work that we do, just go to twobadtourist.com slash coffee, or you can see the link in the show notes in the description of this episode. And as always, if you like our show, please subscribe to it on Colin, give the episode a like with the heart icon once it's published, and you can always follow us on social media. We are at Too Bad Tourists on every channel. And lastly, please feel free to leave us a comment about what you want to hear more of, and we'll consider that for future episodes. Okay, so always at the top of our show, before we, we have always had a, a guest, well, not our first episode, but we usually are, have a guest on. And at the top of the show, we start with a little bit of an introduction about um, kind of our experience with whatever the topic is that day. Um, and today we were going to talk about our experience traveling to countries that have anti-LGBT legislation. So, for example, we've been to Ghana, Morocco, Ethiopia, Tanzania, India, Singapore, just to name a few. And we were going to talk about those, uh, our experiences traveling to those countries. But instead, we're going to talk about an issue that arose after we sent out our newsletter today. <laughs> yeah, the irony of it all is today's episode is about travel boycotts and anti-LGBT legislation. And um, what actually happens, we sent out a newsletter today um, talking about the the trip that we're going to in June in Orlando um, at Disney for One Magical Weekend. And if you're based in the U.S., um, perhaps you've seen there's some news uh, surrounding um, some anti-LGBT legislation that's happening in Florida. And somehow Disney got kind of caught up in it. Um, the reality of the situation 
reality of this situation is that we actually hadn't even heard this news. Um, so we had sent out a, a promotion and we got a lot of negative feedback from our readers. So really just we want to say that this happens, right? So yeah. often, and you then, know, businesses or destinations or organizations kind of get caught up into anti-LGBT legislation and it becomes problematic for the community. Um, and so I guess more than anything, we just want to acknowledge that that happened and, and apologize if, if anyone got offended. But, you know, unfortunately, we haven't had the chance to even read what the, the news is and kind of what's happened. So we don't really have a response at the moment or, or an opinion to no, give we you. we need to look into it before we talk about it. But we certainly will. So but it's it's really great that it happened just before. It's quite the coincidence. Quite the coincidence. Literally in the newsletter that we promoted the podcast. We're talking uh, about boycotts, uh, you know, in support of the LGBT community. And this kind of happens today. So it's right on the, right on the nose. Exactly. So but we're um, going to focus on travel. Today. We are going to travel. We're going to focus on travel and, and talk more about from the destination standpoint. So, um, but before we get into it, I just want to remind uh, any live listeners that if you have any questions at any point during the episode, either for us or for our guests, who is Luann this week, please feel free to call in by clicking the the phone icon in the bottom right-hand corner, and we will be happy to take your questions. Okay, Luann, we are happy to have you join us now. If you can unmute your mic at the bottom right corner. Hello. hello. Hooray! Welcome to the the show. (laughs) Hi, thank you for joining us. We're super excited to have uh, this conversation with you to tackle a really challenging issue. I hope you can help out a little bit. Well, uh, it is indeed a challenging issue. I mean, it's one that IGLTA actually addresses all the time because we have members in 80 countries around the world. And and obviously, a lot of those countries have less than favorable. So um, it comes up quite often because people ask us, well, why why would we support businesses in some of these countries? Well, before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and exactly what you do? Um, sure. I'm a career queer. So, <laughs> Love it. Um, Gay for pay? I, yeah, I have... Um, I got a journalism degree and then I immediately went to work for an LGBTQ newspaper in in Miami and I did that for about 10 years Um, and I started the travel column in that publication and so from there I just went into travel writing um, full time as a freelancer and then at Out Traveler magazine and then eventually landed at IGLTA so I've been able to combine writing and, and travel my my two big passions for my whole career. Okay, so you talked about, it sounds like it's been, has it been a, a couple decades that you've been in LGBT media and now LGBT tourism, is that right? Well, now, you know, a lady never reveals her <laughs> age, but... But, but, um, but more, more or less, so you've been doing, you, 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 you've been doing it a, a long time, and I, I'm just going to say this, I mean, you're definitely... An authority on the topic, which that's is why what, that's what we're trying yeah. to establish your authority on, <laughs> which, which is why we've invited you to this episode to really kind of set the set the tone. But I'm curious, what what motivated you to to get involved in IGLTA in the first place? Because you you know at the, at that time, I guess you were just doing travel writing essentially, so or, or what motivated you to get into travel writing? Yeah, as well. a little bit of both. What where were the what what did you think when you started? Um, Oh, my God. Well, I mean, um, I was a traveler and I was a writer. I mean, I basically I mean, when I was eight, I wanted to be a professional bowler. But um, that, was a, <laughs> that was a very short lived career. aspiration. Is that when they knew you were gay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite yet. <laughs> okay. um, that, that came slightly later. <laughs> um, but uh, but 
no, I, I always really wanted to be a writer. And my mother was actually the avid traveler. And she she traveled a lot. I mean, even solo in the 1950s when it wasn't common at all. She worked in reservations for TWA, for those of you out there old enough to remember Transworld Airlines. Um, mm. And she did it so that she could see the world because she'd grown up on this really small farm um, on the Nebraska-Kansas border. And and so I grew up hearing all these amazing stories about um, about her travels, about going to D.C. to see the cherry blossoms or or going from Spain, going to Spain and then taking a ferry to Tangier because she wanted to set foot on African soil. So um, it was just always part of of my DNA to want to travel. And and I did travel a bit with my parents growing up as well. But then as soon as I um graduated from university with a journalism degree, I took four months and backpacked around Australia and New Zealand. Okay. So, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. That, that, I, I was taking a breath so that you could talk now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, so, and I want to say, so how did that, you know, you were uh, working as a travel writer. So then how did that transition into working with IGLTA? Um, well, it was the, the financial crash of 2008, really. Um, and a lot of publications were closing and it became really hard to be a freelancer. And, um, and then out of the blue one day, I got an email from, from John Tanzella and there hadn't been a media relations position at IGLTA at that point. And he just reached out to me and said, you know, your name has come up from a lot of people. He was specifically looking for someone who had relationships with other travel writers to to fill the role and um so i like to say i went in and i interviewed john for three hours for the <laughs> yeah and and then at the end of the at the end of that um then i decided it would actually be a really good idea because i could still continue to work with this amazing network of of queer writers that um that i'd been traveling with and and working with for years and and still be you know a part of the travel industry this is the perfect transition. Yeah. And just for yeah. context, for any listeners who, who don't know, uh, John Tanzella is the CEO of, of IGLTA, the International LGBTQ Plus Travel Association. So, so that's who John is. He's been around for a while leading the organization. So let's jump into it. The question of the day that I think we're all kind of excited to hear is, Luann, have you traveled to countries with LGBT, anti-LGBT laws? And, and if so, uh, where to? Where have you been? Um, definitely. And um, one of my one of my really big trips um, in the 90s, which was, you know, interesting for many different reasons, because it was actually not that long after the end of apartheid. But I spent um, two months in South Africa. And as part of that trip, I went overland to Zimbabwe and spent a couple weeks in Zimbabwe. And I was a, a little late to the coming out party. So I actually had just um, I just come out that year. And one of the one of the reasons I did the trip was to kind of, you know, mend my heart from a, a, a bad breakup, as mm -hmm. I'm sure many, many people have done. Um, and as we were crossing the border, our guide kind of apropos of nothing turned to us in the backseat and said, we're crossing into Zimbabwe now. So keep your sexual orientation to yourself. Oh, wow. Wow. And I thought, wait, wait, what? I mean, is he talking to me? Like, I wasn't even out. So, <laughs> I was, oh, 
did he somehow just know? Yeah, like, like could he could he sniff it? Like what was <laughs> what, what's going on? Um but that was really like the the wake up call to me that that as part of coming out I was gonna have to think differently about how I move through the world. Have you, uh, you know, that, of course, that's one of the problems. Are there other problems you face regarding your sexuality while abroad? You know, I, I think that, um, you know, travel is a privilege, right? And mm-hmm. so I think it's really important that we acknowledge we're sitting here as, you know, white cisgender people who, um, you know, grew up in the United States. And mm-hmm. and so I have not encountered a lot of the problems moving through the world that many of our other queer family members have because I can, you know, just sort of pass through the world. I've had a lot of, I've had more issues probably being a a blonde woman. Um, Hmm, Interesting. Can can you elaborate? So since it's, you know, international women's day today, give a little, give a little shout out to the, the strong women who are trying to move through the world. Um, you know, in Egypt, I was really nervous about going to Egypt on my own. And so I ended up going with a, a backpacker kind of group and with an adventure travel company. And it was funny because there were there were only two American women in the group and the rest of the group was from um, UK, Europe. And we were whenever we'd get out into the group, there was a, a husband wife couple and then the two American women, myself and Tina, would we'd always we were just hanging out together. And so Milo would get you know complimented on his three wives as we were oh, moving God. to markets in Egypt. And then you know just like trying on a clothes and then you know standing there looking in the mirror and having the shopkeeper stand way too close to me. Yeah, you know, yeah. press your body up against the back of you and just really you know those kind of creepy things. Um, Lots of staring. I mean, I, I was very fortunate. I mean, I, I wasn't in any way physically attacked, um, but it's it's certainly enough to make you nervous. Yeah, it's something that I became, you know, hyper aware of when Austin and I were traveling is because we often talk about the problems the, the LGBT community faces uh, while abroad. But yeah, specifically women abroad, um, you know, I was hyper aware of it, just seeing it. I, I had yeah. never seen such, um, I don't know, direct kind of harassment harassment towards women like of course I have but it was just so common and and accepted and I remember thinking that was a positive of being a gay man with Austin and and passing walking down the street because I was like I can't imagine being a woman or having a girlfriend that is you know enduring that harassment it's hard to see but you know let me flip this back on YouTube because I you know I've seen all of the the blog posts of you being like, you know, you're super cute, not very um, obviously gay selves. Um, Stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop it. You know? So, I mean, like, how how did you think about that when you were traveling as a couple? And, and you know, how much did you modify your behavior? And, you know, oh. did you have, you know, any specific problems being together as two men in places? I mean, we moved through the world as, as two friends, I think, or, yeah. or brothers or cousins brothers, or whatever people cousins. assumed. We let yeah. them assume never, never as, as boyfriends unless we were in a safe space. Yeah, and it's it's a, 
It's a great question because we probably would have mentioned this in the episode initially, but the Disney thing changed. But we we spent uh, in 2012 as part of our one year around the world experience. We actually spent one month in Ghana and we were doing uh, a volunteer experience. And so that was the longest we were ever in a country that, you know, is quote unquote anti-gay, you know, has anti-LGBT legislation. And I do remember being nervous when we first arrived i actually when we arrived at the airport i had some like piercings like facial piercings i think i had like a lip ring in my ears and the border control guy you know a passport control was was basically harassing me and said i couldn't wear that and so i had to take them off and then you know kind of from that moment i was just like oh i guess i really can't you know i need to be extra cautious about who i am and how i express myself and there were definitely some awkward moments in the back of buses and vans in Ghana where random strangers would come up and talk to us, right? Because we're the two white guys in, you know, in a right. country where everyone else is black. And so they would be really interested to know our story. And I mean, almost all the time it came back, back to, are you married? Yeah, your Do you have kids? What's your girlfriend's name? Yeah. And so those right. moments were just very, very awkward. Um, I do specifically remember that. And I remember a handful of times in both Ghana and later in Ethiopia that we spent a week where we had issues with the bed situation in hotels where we had booked a single bed. And in one of the places, like they forcibly made us pay for a more expensive room, which had two individual beds. And they just didn't accept the fact that we would be willing to share. Um, the other one, I think we somehow convinced them and said we were like cousins or something. <laughs> well, and have you had, you've had that bed experience? Oh my gosh, I think every queer person who's traveled with a, a partner has had a bed experience at some point. I mean, I had the bed experience in Central Florida, um, <laughs> where they just didn't believe that that um, I would want to share a bed with, with my female friend. Right. Um, but I also um, had the bed experience in Sri Lanka, where we had booked through a tour company, and they had organized it with the hotel, and the whole tour was booked into, you know, um, queen size or king size beds for us. But we arrived, it was one of those, you know, crazy flights where you arrive at two in the morning and um, the night manager looked at the booking and just took it upon himself to decide it was wrong mm. and changed our room without saying anything. So when we got up to our room, we had, you know, two twin beds in our room. And, you know, it's like, oh, but it's 3 a.m. Are we really going to go back to the lobby and have a big argument? But we did actually talk to the the manager on duty the next morning. And, and you know, she had explained that it was the night manager that had, had done that. And she was very apologetic. And we had a really good conversation with her. Um, so I think it's one of those situations where you have to evaluate where you are and the context and, and choose your battles. But, you know, there was actually an opportunity there with that hotel, which did have, you know, a lot of international guests to, you know, for a learning experience and, and say why that wasn't okay, what he did. That's good. So, Loanne, the question I want to ask, and I'm sure others have asked you before, should the queer community and by extension their allies boycott countries that have anti-LGBTQ plus legislation? Well, first, I will say that, you know, IGLTA absolutely does not support boycotts. And we've um, and by extension, in my role being VP of communications, have have written many of those statements. 
Um, you know, we don't support boycotts because we really feel like they are damaging to queer communities. Um, you know, there are so many LGBTQ plus people working in the hospitality and tourism industry worldwide. And, and by cutting off tourism, you know, you, you cut off livelihood. But, but that's why, you know, we exist as an association is to um, create a way to promote businesses that are LGBTQ plus owned or actively welcoming so that we can help guide, um, you know, our community to have travel experiences all over the world and to really be able to explore, but to do so in a way that is safe um, and with people that will look out for them. I mean, I would really hate to think that, you know, I, I've been to Egypt and as I mentioned, and I, I got to see the pyramids and got to see the amazing temples um, along the Nile. And I would hate to think that, you know, someone would think, well, I don't ever get to have that experience because I'm queer. Is, has IGLTA ever faced backlash because of that stance? Um, we have. There, There's always a lot of noise around that. Um, but I, I do feel like we have a very, you know, well thought out response um, in terms of that. And, you know, there's always going to be, because we're a business organization, we're not a political organization or an activist organization. We're a business organization. And so we're going to support our businesses wherever they are in the world. And we've had, you know, businesses in Zimbabwe and Uganda and and um, there's a lovely tour operator in Sri Lanka, Fuzu Travel, that I wish I'd known about at the time when we booked our trip, but they weren't a member yet of IGLTA. Um, so I think it's it's really about supporting queer people and our allies wherever they are in the world, because otherwise there's no way to make a change. You've got to have these conversations. Exactly. And I think it's, it's important to point out that, you know, here in 20, the year 2022, you know, we live in Spain, you're between the UK and the U S right. In these destinations, we generally have enough uh, support and they're, they're places where we can, for the most part, be be open about our orientation and, and generally feel safe. But IGLTA was founded in 1983, and even though it was founded in South Florida, you know, I think it was in Hollywood near Miami and Fort Lauderdale, in 1983, yeah. no one, it was never really okay to be gay anywhere, right? So that's sort of the entire purpose of IGLTA as an, as an organization. And- exactly. Exactly. It was a small group of, of gay guest house owners and travel advisors that, you know, got together and wanted to create a safe network for their clients. Right. And I always kind of make, I, I don't know if it's a joke or, or a true statement about IGLTA, which is, you know, the moment that IGLTA becomes obsolete when it's not necessary, it means we've actually fulfilled our mission, right? Because, you know, you don't need people to convince yeah. everyone to, you know, go to these safe spaces. Every place will be safe. But, you know, that's just it's such an unrealistic uh, expectation that, you know, these days, particularly with 70 plus countries, um, you know, outlawing or having certain laws against LGBT uh, people. OK, so if LGBT plus travelers um, are going to visit countries where there is legislation against the queer community, what precautions should they take? Well, I mean, I think this is where, you know, we just have to be so much more diligent about 
doing our homework. You know, this is why IGLTA exists as a resource. I mean, we have travel guides that and that have uh, lots of, of safety information. We have um, a link to, to Destination Pride embedded within our website, which easily um, shows readers, you know, the laws um, related to LGBTQ plus issues in, in countries around the world. I mean, you just really need to be informed before mm-hmm. you go. Um, and if you're, you know, and if you just want to go, you know, off on a la la lay on a beach holiday, I mean, there's also plenty of places you can do that too. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm also not going to pass judgments on people who don't want to go to those places mm-hmm. because it's a holiday, right? And it's an individual choice. So some people just want to relax. They don't want to have to, think about it and they want to be as queer as they want to be and that's <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's, it's not like everyone wants to be an advocate and and you know um show how gay they are by traveling to all these places and and with that said what what advice would you give lgbt travelers um with regards to you know whether they should be out or not or you know whether they they um, reveal their orientation in some of these um places that you know aren't spain in the u.s and uk you know, I think that's something that that comes with time. I mean, I feel like, you know, whereas in in Zimbabwe 20 years ago, I didn't say anything at all. Um, whereas in, you know, Sri Lanka four or five years ago, I did have the conversation about the hotel bed. But it was also, again, in a... Um, in a hotel where I, I knew I was in a safe space versus you know, in a car with people I didn't know crossing a border. And and I think that it's really becomes over time you learn how to read the situation. I think one-on-one conversations are always better than, than in a group. And I, I think safety in numbers is a big part of this too. And if you're not really comfortable, you know, going out solo into some of these countries, you know, finding um, LGBTQ group tours, where the the tour operators have already done all the homework for you. And so they, um, you know, are dealing with guides that are, if not queer, then they're certainly allies. Um, And they know how to safely move you through the country. And if there are problems, they have your back. And and the same thing with using um, travel agents that are um, either queer or that do a lot of bookings for LGBTQ plus people um, who can really help you. Because it, it can be daunting. And if it's not something that you've been doing for a long time, um, you know, go to the experts. Don't just think you need to, to take it on yourself. Yeah, it's really a individual experiences may vary situation. Like, where are you? How safe do you feel? How, you know, how willing are you to be out or not out or, and do that work if you feel like it or not? It's very individual. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's the same. I know we have a lot of uh, American listeners. We're all from the U.S. here on, on this episode, even though we don't live there necessarily. Um, but, you know, you have places like New York and Palm Springs and Miami, which are queer and you can be quite gay and nobody really cares. And you just go to central Florida, I mean, a couple hours away and, you you know, you have to be cautious about your surroundings and awareness. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's a really it's really good advice. Um, but I want to bring it back to IGLTA and the the foundation in 1983. I know you haven't been there since 1983 because that would certainly be <laughs> yes, a really I'm not long time. But, um, <laughs> but I'm curious, can you can you tell our listeners a little bit about how IGLTA has evolved over the years that you know of, and particularly since you've been there? 
I mean, I've actually been with IGLTA for mm, 12 years now. Um, wow. Gosh, time flies. <laughs> We're having fun. No one's counting. Um, We're but, counting. You know, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think for a long time, you know, in the beginning of IGLTA, I mean, think about it, like no internet. So that's probably the fact, I'm still amazed that this whole network was founded and existed through snail mail and and, and and phone calls. Like, and that just blows my mind. I mean, I can't even imagine that. But um, so obviously, you know, the internet was a, a big game changer because obviously it allowed um, the organization to really expand its outreach and, and communicate with people so much more easily in countries around the world. So, you know, it was cute and all that they called it the International LGBT, well, International Gay Travel Association, actually. The L came much later. Um but it was interesting that they said international when they were just really, you know, 20 people in South Florida. Um, but that's how it evolved. It really did. That vision um, yeah. expanded over the years and it really has become a global association. Um, and it's the only one like it in the world that's really connecting, welcoming travel and tourism businesses. On and, every, go ahead. On every continent. That was it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. And so where are you living now? Um, I live with my wife in London. Um, and then whenever we can, we get back to, to South Florida um, because I still have a house in Fort Lauderdale. So um, imagine that I try and schedule, you know, January in Florida. How do you, how do you split up that time? Is it half and half? Um, you know, it really depends with, with IGLTA, we did our convention in Atlanta last year. So it was really easy for me to be in Florida a lot. Um, this year, our convention is going to be in Milan in October. So I'm spending more time in, in London because it's easier for work. I'm really fortunate though, because, um, we all work remotely so I can go back and forth. And my, my wife also works in tourism, but her work is primarily um, Europe, Middle East, Asia. So it's harder for her to spend big chunks of time uh, in the U.S. because the, the time zones don't work out in her favor that way. And what is it actually like being an American living in London? Um, huh. What's it like being American? That's funny. Um, well, I feel like especially with all the mask wearing. I mean, people didn't really understand my accent to begin with. And then with a mask, forget about it. <laughs> oh, I, is that, I, I well, that's an interesting before. experience that really you had like accent communication problems. <laughs> yes, I did. That's incredible. Lot, put a mask on and apparently no one can understand anything that I say here in London. How, how long have you been there? Um, five years. And so but, what about like integrating with British culture? Well, I say, um, you know, I get in the queue now a lot. Okay. All right. So uh -huh. it's integrating your vocabulary for sure. <laughs> there, and you said when you went to university, I heard that as well, as opposed yeah, to college. I, I, I live in a flat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there've been funny little, you know, changes in language. I don't think I've adopted the, the faux British accent yet though, a la Madonna. <laughs> I think I'm still, I think I still sound pretty American. Give um, it some time. Give we'll, it some time. We'll call you out when you do. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Please don't ever let me walk around sounding like that. Well, London is also just so international too, right? I mean, do you know people from everywhere or is it a lot of British people? Um, 
actually, uh, Daniela's best friends are French. So yeah, we, yeah. we do, we, we do uh, mingle a lot. It seems like, yeah, it's that type of city. Uh, Loan, what's one piece of advice you would share with our listeners with regard to this topic about uh, traveling to anti-gay countries and travel boycotts? I would say that, you know, despite the hellish couple of years we've had um, and, and continue to have in, in many ways, you know, travel is, is one of the most um, revelatory things. It really does change hearts and minds and, and bring people together and, and creates, you know, such a deeper understanding of, of the world. And it, and it's really a beautiful world. So I would say, please don't ever be afraid to go out there and, and see a destination that you really want to see um, because of your identity or orientation. I would just say, do your homework and go, 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 because it does change your life. That's a really good soundbite. I think we'll have to use that to promote this episode. I agree. Well said. Go, go, go. Perfect. So <laughs> there, is there any other question you wish we'd asked you or something you want to share uh, with the audience before we, before we wrap up? Um, well, actually, I'm just kind of curious about you know, what, what's the, other than Ghana, which was for work, where have you two gone that was just, you know, kind of off the wall, unexpected for, um, for LGBTQ travel? Well, you know, I was, I have a list of like six countries here, but then when you just mentioned Florida, I'm like, oh, that really, <laughs> yeah, so changed, like your experience in Florida, like, oh, I have to really change my perspective here on what I consider, you know, anti right gay countries but we, we've been to ghana morocco ethiopia tanzania india and singapore were kind of the ones that i just uh considered that they have the anti-lgbt legislation or at least they did when we traveled because i think now india at least is not necessarily they have i guess opened up legislation but when we were there it was definitely i remember going to a gay bar and it was like very hush hush underground um and yeah the the safety was, was a little bit of a concern. And, and actually in India, it probably still is like that. Um, it's, you know, things don't necessarily change that fast, even though legislation changes. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and India was also one of the, the strange ones where they, you know, went through the decriminalization process and then it went back on the books and they went backward, you know? So right. um, we went on a, a, well, I was part of a queer press trip in 2011 to India because they were sort of celebrating this opening up and then it, close down again um yeah those were those are the destinations we thought of so ghana was a month ethiopia was a week morocco i think it was a few days david you spent quite a bit of time in tanzania and yeah the and, and with that i mean i i went there solo so i was we weren't you know as a couple so i didn't have to you know i wasn't worried about being called out in that way but i will say in tanzania i did get lost and you know in some cultures the men hold hands i think in india it's an opportunity they do tanzania is one of those cultures and it's it's interesting cuz i didn't have any i didn't experience any negative in fact i got lost and and a man held me by the hand and walked me back to where i was staying Aww. so it's just it, it's a positive experience yeah and and i think like you um 
our experience has been really mostly positive. I think it is a privilege. We have the luxury that for the most part we can pass and we can travel and people don't immediately. As long as, long as they don't talk. Yeah, as long as you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> people don't, uh, don't assume we're LGBT, right? So we, we've not really faced any other than the awkward moments that I think any person faces, which to be honest, all gay queer people face awkward moments all the time in their home cities, right? So uh, luckily we've, we've not That's, had too yeah. many crazy problems. True. Okay, Len, our last question for you. Where are you traveling to next? Ah, I am going to uh, Cape Town in a month. Um, So I'm actually going to be back in in South Africa. That's really exciting because I'm part of an Equal Africa program. Um, You know, Africa on the whole really has a long way to go for LGBTQ plus Mm -hmm. rights. And so I'm really proud to be part of this program um, promoting LGBTQ plus tourism in South Africa. Um, And then I'm hoping to, you know, it's mostly a work trip, but I'm hoping to do a little uh, South African wine tasting as part of it. I hope so. Sounds amazing. I'm excited to hear all (laughs) about it. Well, thank you, Loanne, so much for taking the time to share your experiences and to give us some insights on uh, what really is a complex issue. Um, so you've shared a lot of insight, and we, we definitely appreciate it. And I just want to say thank you to our live listeners uh, and guests on the show. We see you every uh, week, so thanks for, for joining us. Oh, okay, so <laughs> if you like the show, please subscribe to us on uh, – you can subscribe to it on Colin. Give the episode a like with the heart uh, icon once it's published. You can follow us. Uh, we're always at Too Bad Tourists. And please feel free to leave us a comment on the episodes um, and let us know what you liked, what you want to hear more of. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking to Max and Dave. They're the founders of the company Everything to See, and they offer clothing optional relaxed sailing for men on a traditional wooden vessel in the Flores Sea, which is in Indonesia. Um, I'm excited to talk to them. We're both excited to talk to them because uh, their trips are really unique. Uh, They promote themselves as being non-judgmental in the sense that they don't care where you come where you come from, what your ethnic bra- uh, background is, what your body type is, what your age, your looks. Everyone's welcome, whether you're a vegetarian or a carnivore. They want everyone, um, and even your sexuality, straight, gay, bi, uh, questioning, all are welcome. So it'll be a good episode to talk with them. Yeah, and I think it's a great follow-up to this episode because obviously Indonesia would fall into the category of potentially considered anti-gay and has anti-LGBT legislation. So with that said, it's it's really great to speak to a couple of LGBT business owners who also employ, um, you know, locals running an LGBT business with LGBT guests. So I'm really excited for that insight. So thank you, everyone. Thank you again, Loanne. Thank you so much, Loanne. That is it. We will chat next week on Queer Travel Chat. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye.